BetOnlineAthens.com and the Athens Banner Herald. This is the Georgia Bulldogs podcast. Bulldogs Extra. Now, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Hey, welcome in. It's the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Mark Weiser along with Ryan Dennis. A lot going on in Bulldog land. A uh, couple new additions, Ryan. I don't know if you heard about it at all. Yeah, it uh, seemed to make its rounds on uh, on Tuesday afternoon. And yeah, just boom, boom, right? I mean, it was one and the other and uh, within like, uh, seemed like an hour of each other. Eric Gilbert, the pass catching, I don't know if you want to call him a tight end anymore, or maybe wide receiver, comes from LSU out of uh, the Atlanta area, five-star Yeah, Marietta, right? Stud yeah. player and a experienced cornerback, Darian Kendrick, coming in from Clemson. Ryan, I did a little survey on the Twitters. I saw that, man. It had a lot of votes. Uh, about 700 last I checked. Oh, you're, you're keeping tabs on that? Let me see what it looked like. Here's my question that I posed, and I'll ask you as well. Uh, very simple. Which player via the transfer portal is more significant for Georgia? Your uh, choices, of course, Eric Gilbert and Darian Kendrick. Now, somebody came back with me and, and said, hey, what about Tyke Smith? And I said, no, no, I'm doing guys that just jumped on now. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much a landslide. Darian Kendrick gets 70.6% of the votes. Uh, Eric Gilbert, 29.4%. This is of 626 people voted. Well, that's very interesting. Because, you know, with George Pickens going down, you'd think, oh, that's a guy they needed to jump in and catch some more passage, right? But I guess with as bad as the secondary was projected to be after all those losses, that's why everybody figures that's the place they needed most. Well, I don't know if if we can presume that it would be bad. Uh, You know, I I mean, I think Georgia's got some some talented guys there. They just, you know, they haven't proven it yet on the college level. Uh, And Kendrick has, um, you know, as an all-ACC selection last year, two-year starter at, at cornerback for Clemson, and then a wide receiver recruited in from Rock Hill High School. Um, You know, I mean, Gilbert will just be another, you know, offensive weapon for Georgia, and he could be, I mean, a very impressive weapon, but you also have other talented guys, uh, you know, Darnell Washington, Jermaine Burton, Kyrus Jackson, Zamir White, James Cook, the list goes on and on. I mean, and who knows if we see... Blaylock, maybe? Sure. Jack Saint? Yeah, who knows if we see George Pickens late in the season either. I mean, you know, I can't really guess on how he's going to do returning from that ACL and if he's even going to try with the NFL out there, but I mean, I think that's fair um, to to say that Kendrick, I mean, because I think you can, you know, you can pencil him in as a starting cornerback. Um, So you went from from losing uh, Campbell and Stokes and you thought, you know, Georgia world thought the world was coming to an end. And you entered these two guys. I mean, are they even better off now than they were with with Stokes? Now, obviously, Stokes was a first round pick and, and, uh, you know, really made a name for himself over his two years. But. I mean, George might be better off now with those two guys coming in. I mean, you know, let's see. I mean, obviously, when you go up against Alabama and Florida, and, and I don't think Florida's offense is going to be, you know, what it was last year without without Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask. Um, and then, you know, Georgia, I mean, I think the more significant loss, because you kind of expected that, that Stokes and Campbell were gone, was right. losing Tyreek Stevenson to Miami as a transfer. Very true. Um, and then, you know, we didn't even mention that Georgia brought in another DB and in, in Brandon Turnage uh, from Alabama that, you know, oh, probably right. just provides some more depth 
um, you know, for, for the Bulldogs. So, um, you know, a lot to be excited about now, you know, uh, there's some off, off field issues that, that Darian Kendrick, um, was dealing with, or, you know, even still is dealing with in terms of, um, an, an arrest in March he had back home. We can get into that a little bit later, but, um, we should mention now we're going to have Scott Kiefer from the Greenville news who covers Clemson kind of give us, uh, you know, his impressions of Kendrick and what George is getting. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about the uh, big September 4th, Georgia Clemson matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, look, uh, I think they've done a, a pretty impressive job, uh, Kirby Smart and, and the staff, of lining up guys. And I, might, I think Tyke Smith might be the more impactful guy just because, you know, he's he's shown what he could do at West Virginia in terms of, um, you know, he's a third-team All-American. And, um, you know, we did they didn't get him yesterday. But, um, you know, that's, like I said, I mean, those two guys, that's two, that's two of your five starters, you know, with a 5DB set, I would, I would presume. And then... Yeah. Louis Cine uh, will be back there, and you know we'll see how the rest of it you know, shakes out. Well, you know, I, I thought it was funny you, you also posted on Twitter yesterday that your uh, list might have to change of uh, impact transfers. Uh, you did a couple months ago, or maybe a month ago, about uh, you know some guys that joined the program, and yeah, when those two names were announced yesterday, man, you thought that guy, Georgia's got something you know cooking here, and. Uh, especially <clears throat> filling gaps that we all know that they needed to fill. And as far as uh, Gilbert, what a what a funny uh, you know he left LSU, committed to Florida, left Florida. Everybody thought he was going back to LSU, and then out of nowhere he pops up on Georgia's radar. And uh, you know I guess it makes sense as a hometown guy, but. Um, it, is he going to be a tight end? I think that's the question everybody has. Or is he going to be? Are they going to move him over to receiver? Because, you know, some things I've been seeing, he might have lost a little weight, more of a receiver type of uh, build now. Uh, but whatever, if you have him going across one way and you have Darnell Washington crossing in the other, that could be hard to cover. Terrence Edwards, who trains receivers and, and you know, tight ends as well, I guess, he he has worked um, for a number of years with Eric Gilbert and, and – uh, you know, I mean, it didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, I did talk to Edwards last week uh, to kind of have a pre-write story whenever it, you know, actually materialized that, I mean, the indication was he was coming here, but it wasn't like a, a slam dunk quite yet. Uh, then I saw Edwards tweeted out last night. Um, I think he said he talked to his personal trainer right. and it was a 244 pounds was the weight, which, you know, down, still seems down from the 250s. Still seems tied into so, doesn't it? Yeah, well, here's the thing, though. I mean... If you look at Darnell Washington, did you see him line up mostly outside anyway? I mean, he, he did a lot of that. So yeah, uh, they like those one on ones with his size. Sure, and some sure. Guys, yeah. And so, you know, with Gilbert, I mean, you lost your outside receiver that would draw one on one matchups in George Pickens. You saw Adonai Mitchell uh, play that position very effectively. You know, against you know. Uh, in a G-Day game, mm-hmm. not, a, not a real game. Um, you have other guys that can play that position. Um, Justin Robinson, uh, you know, missed G-Day, but I, I'm told that he, that he had an impressive spring as well. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there's certainly a lot of toys for Todd Munkin and how about, uh, to and play with. We hadn't really talked much about Arian Smith doing the track thing. Uh, you know, we knew he was a fast guy. But did you think that he would be qualifying for nationals, uh, you know, on the track in the 100? I mean, that's 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 blazing speed right there. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, if you're fast, you're fast. I mean, I guess, yeah. you know, uh, maybe the more difficult thing would be being doing the relays and knowing how to do the baton and all that Very stuff. True. I mean, but maybe he, I'm sure he probably did that in high school as well. Yeah. Um, I guess he did beat out bowling um, in terms of uh, one of the races they went up against each other. I don't know if they were in the same race or they were they were different Just races. Time different. In, in the time. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure how that played out. I didn't dive into that. Well, we'll talk about, uh, hey, you know what? Let's talk about track on the back end. Because yeah. uh, we haven't, I don't think we discussed the whole deal with uh, with Petros uh, Kipriano, the the outgoing Georgia track coach, it seems to be. Uh, we'll talk also about the uh, Women's College World Series with the Georgia softball team is in. and uh, Baseball, missing out. Baseball, yeah. Let's get back to, to what we were talking about with these transfers again. Um, let's talk about Kendrick a little bit with what's going on with him. Now, I would presume that Georgia, Kirby Smart, and administration did their due diligence uh, with Kendrick, who uh, parted ways with Clemson in February. Dabo Sweeney has said some very positive things about, you know, uh, about Kendrick in terms of the football player he is and, you know, it makes it sound like, oh, this is not a bad guy, just didn't, you know, hold up on some of his responsibilities. Now, Kendrick did a podcast uh, with some folks back uh, in his hometown area uh, just talking about what he had going on in his life and he's got a couple of young kids and, you know, had to get back and forth between Clemson and Rock Hill. So maybe missed out on some academic appointments, that kind of thing. But the arrest popped up in March. Uh, he has a, a charge, uh, unlawful possession of a gun and uh, a marijuana uh, misdemeanor charge. Now, I checked with the courts yesterday up in Rock Hill. The misdemeanor charge is heading to a pretrial intervention and uh, you know, the gun charge may be as well. Um, they wouldn't say that at, at, at uh, the solicitor's office when I checked with them. They just said that the charges are still pending. Now, that, that could be a deal where you complete the program and the charges are dropped. So yeah. um, I, I'm sure Georgia has a good handle of what's going on there and, and felt good uh, that, uh, you know, to take him in and, and uh, welcome him to the program. Yeah, well, it, you know, I'm always for giving people second chances, right? Because everybody's going to make mistakes from time to time, even if it's, uh, you know, bad gun decisions or, or drug decisions. So, yeah, like you mentioned, you go through a program, uh, get back, and when it's your team, you know, I'm sure all the Georgia fans are like, yeah, we'll look past that, no big deal. If you'd have gone to Alabama or something, you might be more like, uh, can't believe they take a guy like that. But I think giving the guy a second chance, obviously Georgia needs that uh, position field. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, – Things can get straight for him. He'll be on the right path here at Georgia, and uh, he'll be a big, a huge benefit in the secondary. Ryan, remind me after we uh, talk to Scott when we come back to talk about mm -hmm. the uh, craziness of uh, recruiting back on campus yeah. and the uh, new operations center that um, saw is, some pictures starting to leak is up and running. Well, it's not really leaking when Kirby's smiling with a, a, a recruit <laughs> in well, the no. in the facility. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can give our impressions on that. But for now, uh, let's bring in Scott Keeper from the Greenville News to talk more about uh, Darian Kendrick and the matchup with Georgia. Joining us now to talk a little bit more about Darian Kendrick is Scott Kiefer, who covers Clemson for the Greenville News. Uh, Scott, thanks for joining us. Hey, glad to do it. Uh, anytime you get an opportunity to talk uh, Clemson and Georgia football, you got to capitalize on it, right? Yeah, it's been, what, 2014, I think, was the last time uh, wow, yeah. these teams got together. Um Scott, Georgia fans were pretty excited. Uh, they lost a lot of, you know, experienced guys in the secondary. And uh, word came out yesterday that Darian Kendrick was 
transferring, I guess you can't really say from uh, from Clemson because he's been away from there for a few months, but the former Clemson player. Wh- what do you know about Kendrick in terms of what George is getting? Um, you know, how impactful can he be for a secondary that lost uh, a first and second round draft pick? Uh, I think he's the kind of guy who uh, will have an immediate impact and certainly will have immediate ramifications for uh, the September 4th season opener. I, I think he can, you know, obviously he's been kind of an, an enigma at Clemson because, uh, you know, he came to Clemson as a very highly regarded uh, high school player. He was actually a wide receiver and quarterback in high school and um, and started as a wide receiver at Clemson. Um, played his whole freshman season at wide out, and I think he had 15 catches or something like that. Also did some kickoff returns. He's just a very versatile athlete who's, um, who could probably play anywhere on the field, obviously. And um, prior in the spring of his sophomore year, heading into his sophomore year, they moved him from um, wide receiver to the defense, to cornerback. And he didn't seem <laughs> completely smitten by that uh, by that move, uh, to say the least. Uh, he tried to put on a brave face, but you could kind of tell that he was, you know, he, he was an offensive-minded guy. But I think he also, at some point, kind of grasped that if he wanted to, to pursue a pro career down the line, his best bet was probably as a corner. And um, so I think eventually he embraced it and. Uh, and uh, was all in with that at, at some point, probably during his sophomore year. And, and obviously he stood out on occasions and uh, became a pretty darn good defender. And, he, look, he has the most all-important attribute for a, for a defensive back, and that's uh, cockiness and brashness, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's the kind of guy that loves a challenge and, uh, and loves to try to be that guy on the island, as they say. We talked a little bit earlier in the podcast about, you know, you got into some legal issues uh, a couple months ago. Uh, what do you know more on that front? And uh, obviously we had mentioned, I'm sure Georgia did his background check. You know, he has uh, a couple kids and whatnot. But uh, do you, did you know him, get to know him at all, uh, you know, through interviews or whatever? And what type of uh, what type of guest, guy off the field is he? Kind of, kind of a very quiet guy, reserved, believe it or not, you know, uh, on the field, he's kind of showy, but uh, off the field, kind of you know, uh, to himself and, and a little bit reserved. Uh, so we didn't get to know the the real Darian, I don't think. But look, there were several instances throughout his career, uh, particularly his uh, sophomore and juniors, where he was uh, on the wrong side of Dabo's. Um, <laughs> as we used to say, he was in Dabo's doghouse. And as Dabo so famously uh, quoted, he he was in. He said, "I prefer to call it my love shack." <laughs> he, he he always said that Darian was just needed in need of some love, and he always talked about how much he loved Darian. Um, but that does not explain away, you know, why he uh, was benched for multiple games through his career, um, including last year. I mean, he missed the Pitt game, and maybe the Syracuse game. Um, for what at the time was just described as you know, a, a coach's decision or disciplinary reasons. Um, so we don't really know what, what the bottom line was there. But then, yeah, before spring practice even started this year, he was booted from the team. And 
then what two I guess two weeks later was arrested for the handgun charge and uh, anyway got a citation for a marijuana possession so um, you know he, he's kind of a <laughs> you, you, the kind of guy that you love to see his talent but you keep your fingers crossed that he stays on the right side of the things so uh, but I think he can come to Georgia and look there's no arguing um, that he's immensely talented and there's no questioning his skill set just maybe his judgment a little bit the games he was playing because you said he got benched some games uh, all ACC uh, selection uh, you know for last season uh, so clearly he's uh, he's very uh, you know what you're looking for uh, at that position um, you know but in the playoff, I guess, uh, maybe had some rougher games. Uh, what do you remember about that? And, and, and I know that, you know, Georgia had some very good uh, DBs that also uh, looked a little bit different when you went up against the LSU wide receivers a couple of years ago than Alabama and Florida's pass catchers last year. So, uh, you know, the SEC might be at a different level than the ACC. I mean, I guess people look at Clemson, you know, they're playing a Duke or a Wake Forest or, as you mentioned, like a Pitt or Syracuse. Um, I mean, Georgia, they do have the Vandys and, uh, you know, last year uh, Mississippi State or something. But, you know, wh- what do you think about him in terms of uh, as he's uh, – what was going on in the playoffs is just a matter of, uh, you know, going up against some really talented guys on the other side. Yeah, I think that's, that's the way to explain it. I mean, he, he... – he shined against the most uh, ACC competition. He had a 66-yard fumble return for a touchdown against Virginia Tech. And um, when it, you know when it came to that showdown against Ohio State in the playoffs, he my my <coughs> lasting image, excuse me, of, of him is uh, you know him being two steps behind the, the receivers <laughs> on multiple occasions against the Buckeyes. Uh, it was not a pretty sight, and I'm sure not the kind. Of impression he wanted to leave on pro scouts because I think when you look at him, he's a little, a little over six foot, 190 pounds. He's got good size. His skill set has never been in question, and I think he remains a pro prospect. But um, you know, I think he wants this year to kind of make amends personally. All right, let's look ahead to the September 4th showdown. Uh, I think a marquee matchup. Everybody in, in Athens, I know, is super excited. And I think if you ask people in Athens, they wouldn't mind playing uh, Clemson every year uh, to keep that rivalry up. Is this is this game going to live up to the hype, you think? I mean, uh, you know, a lot of maybe preseason polls, you see Clemson won, Georgia three or four, somewhere in there. So is this, gonna, is this uh, the matchup that should be starting every football season? I think so. <laughs> I've always been just a, a strong lobbyist for for that to become. Uh, I, I wish I'd love to see Clemson Georgia open the season every year. I mean, look, if you lose, so what? You know, run the table, win your conference, and get back in the uh, championship conversation. You know what I mean? So, um, it's just a great way to kick off the football season. I would expect this one to be. No different. I was just looking at a little bit of recent history. But what past ten games between these two teams? Georgia leads six to four, and five of the ten games have been decided by three points or less. Hmm. So you've had some just some classic games that the fans on both sides are quick to remember. You know the Kevin Butlers and the <laughs> and the last minute field goals and the David Treadwells and the, it's just been a lot of great classic games and. Why should you deny fans from two schools who are, what, 70-some miles apart? <laughs> that, that pleasure and that excitement uh, 
of an annual rivalry. I mean, I, I think, I think, I hope, certainly hope this one, um, even though it'll be played in Charlotte, will uh, live up to what we come to expect from these two teams. It might not be an annual rivalry, but they're going to be playing an awful lot in the next decade. I don't know what the number is. It's maybe like five or six times mm-hmm. between yeah. uh, between yeah. games in Clemson and Athens and Atlanta. Um, so uh, that will obviously be uh, you know very uh, exciting as uh, the playoff will be expanding. The expectation is um, what what is the uh, kind of the sense of of um, you know excitement around this game for a Clemson program that has played in a ton of big games under Dabo, uh, you know, the last five years or, or you know, going back. I mean, um, is it uh, still seem to capture, um, you know, the anticipation for this season? Yeah, and I think Dabo loves playing teams from the SEC. I mean, he was groomed as an SEC guy. Uh, and so if you want to challenge yourself in the world of college football, you want to have that SEC measuring stick. I mean, obviously they're from top to bottom better than the ACC, and Dabo has made a concerted effort to, you know, in recent years they've played uh, Auburn and um, Texas A&M. Of course, they play South Carolina every year. Um, But I don't think any of those teams um, draws the same excitement level as does Georgia, just due to proximity and, and history. So, um, Clemson fans, I think, are chomping the bit, and I'm sure Georgia fans are feel the same way. It's a, it's just a great early measuring stick, and uh, man, I expect it to be a great one. All right, Scott. Last thing before we let you go, and hopefully we'll uh, be able to get you back in August uh, to talk a little bit more about this matchup as the game draws nearer. But say five years from now, this is the the question I'm posing. Five years from now, uh, Nick Saban decides to retire. You have uh, two people with ties to the Alabama program: Kirby Smart, uh, longtime defensive coordinator there; Dabo Sweeney, who played there. Do you have any inkling of of which one might be more willing to uh, make that jump, or, or would you say neither? <laughs> Wow. Uh, let's see what Kirby does for the next five years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh, so you're saying that Alabama might not even be considering him if he doesn't have a national championship. I got you. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and uh, you know, I guess Dabba would be an uh, early favorite. Um, yeah. But people can tend to forget, you know, like uh, all of Dabba's kids are, have grown up here. Uh-huh. <laughs> they didn't grow up in Alabama. Yeah. And... Um, so they're kind of like, uh, I guess, ingrained with, with with Clemson support and Clemson fandom now, and this is all they know. So sure. I don't know that Dabo would be so quick to make that jump, but look, you never count out your alma mater, do you? So yeah, certainly. <laughs> uh, I think it would just be a boy. It's going to be a, a, <laughs> a fun scenario to follow, and we'll be up. Uh, 24-7 following that one when uh, Saban decides to call it, a, call it a career. All right, Scott, get some downtime uh, before everything gets cranked up uh, later this summer, and uh, we appreciate you joining us. Hey, glad to do it, and uh, yeah, let's do it again come August. All right, thanks a lot. All right, welcome back. We thank Scott uh, Kiefer for joining us, talking uh, about 
the uh, Georgia-Clemson matchup and Georgia's new addition to the uh, secondary. Ryan, I understand you made a terrible mistake yesterday. You decided to, to drop off your fiance on campus. Oh. And uh, you... Well, actually, we were on campus. I, we were just trying to weave our way through uh, through all the, the craziness to you, get her You made a mistake building. forgetting the date was June 1st. Yep. yep. And... Uh, the camp world, the recruiting world had cranked up at Georgia. Uh, did you see a lot of guys that you're like, uh, that dude's going to be catching a touchdown in the playoffs in no, three years? No, I saw a lot more dudes. I was like, that dude's going to be blocking for uh, so-and-so <laughs> in uh, the 2027 season. Because there were some big boys riding around. There was also, I got behind a caravan of cars marked one, two, three, four, five, six, like on the side, yeah. carrying recruits around. Okay. And uh, I, I knew that, you know, it was a busy day because they could welcome recruits back but kind of slipped my mind when i went to campus at like 4 30 yesterday and man they were it was almost like the uh, campus buses going around but it was with uh cars of kirby recruits was like 200 of them supposed to be in town yeah so i don't think there's any coincidence that you know georgia had been saying hey our new 80 million dollar uh, football operations center or at least that's what the project costs i guess it's more than just the operations center you got revamping uh part of the butts mirror building that the football coaching staff uh is vacating in, in the program, but they were talking about we'll we'll be rolling into that new building, uh, you know, late April after mm-hmm. G Day. But uh, it was a little bit later. Now some of it might have been just you know finishing up some uh, you know rough edges around the yeah. building, but also might have been we don't really want to kind of show this thing until we get some stud recruits on campus and let them see it for the first time. Yeah, and uh, from what I can tell. Uh, there's there's an upgrade. I mean, there was some uh, some fancy stuff they got going on there. Now, what did you see that was so fancy? I saw some stuff. Look, I'll say what I was the the, the biggest reveal to me was just getting a look at the weight room that that some players were taking pictures in. Now, I didn't see uh, like a totally wide view. It looked a little you know kind of closer in. Well, I saw in in their locker room. You saw some big seats. Oh yeah, yeah, I did see with, that. With, did the, see with their like name. Yeah, of, yeah, I their, did see that. I did their, see that. Okay, like a TV above right. each uh, thing. I did see that. Now, at first when I saw that I was like oh they have them over at the stadium but you're right that was the new the new locker room mm-hmm. at the Butts Mirror mm-hmm. I need to go back and look at that a little bit more oh man yeah um, I'm ready for our uh, our journalist uh, uh, invitation to, mean the tour, the, to, to tour, the tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah all right that's is that that's, that'll be stuck in the email for a while I don't know if that's <laughs> I don't know if that's high on Kirby's priority <laughs> list to get the like, media COVID's an easy excuse for them to, uh, to get the media in there yeah, yeah. Um, there were a lot I mean it, it did not look like um, a, a Georgia practice because it looked a lot more crowded i mean obviously it's a camp you're going to have i don't know if that's more or less. it looked like uh they were made up for lost time by getting a lot of people jammed in there at, yeah. at the indoor building uh, at the indoor practice facility um i saw a lot of recruits uh, tweeting out photos with kirby smart i guess outside his office maybe or just at a part in the hallway where there was a big picture of kirby smart uh that they were posing at uh in front of so Kirby was taking a picture with a big Kirby pic, a picture behind him. Yeah, and it looked like uh, it had like his resume on the wall, basically. Yeah, it did have uh, some of his accomplishments yeah, in his career. Yeah. So, I guess you know if they they haven't heard enough about you know what Kirby could do for their career and about what he's done, they could just read it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, as they walk by. Um, so I like, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll see a little, uh, we'll see some more stuff on social media uh, post about that. Um, we mentioned in terms of facilities uh, about going into the Butts Mirror. 
Um, the track program, you know, normally we don't really talk about track on this on this podcast. We did mention Aaron Smith, but mm-hmm. the track offices are moving from Stegman to uh, the vacated offices uh, at Buttsmere where football was. Mm-hmm. That is not going to be enough for Petros uh, Cipriano because he uh, is leaving, um, you know, unless there's some kind of last-minute deal struck, which doesn't seem feasible. Uh, he won national titles uh, in 2018 for the, uh, you know, men's and women's programs. One of them was indoor, one was outdoor. Uh, but he wants a, a new um, indoor track facility, a standalone facility, with, which a bank track would have bleachers uh, or a grandstand, I guess, and coaches' offices in there. And he's really not asking for things that the elite track programs in this country yeah. Arkansas ha- don't already have. Your yeah. Arkansas's, your Texas A&M's. I think Clemson has an indoor uh, facility. Yeah, I'm not sure. The qual- I don't know when that when that <laughs> right, came up. Right. Look, I mean, Clemson was about to eliminate their track program. So I know, I know. I'm just thinking of yeah. places around here that I, I have don't know. them. Yeah, we should have asked Scott about that. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know about true. that. Um, but George, I mean, it's not going to be a cheap project, and George is not willing to do that now. And uh, I talked to him before I wrote uh, from the athletic uh, board meeting, which was in Reynolds Plantation. Very nice place. Why don't you, uh, why don't you go spend a couple nights there, Ryan? Yeah, a little out of my budget. I bet yeah, I think golfing it, there is probably a little high, too. I think it might be. Yeah. Um, and he said he wasn't expecting them to say, okay, we're about to build this for you. He just wanted a timeline. He wanted a commitment that said, but he wanted it in writing. He said, "I want to, you know, I want to know in five years or seven years that this will be built." And and I guess they couldn't hash that out. I mean, they offered him a multi-year extension, and he he just extended it for one year through the end of June. And uh, Georgia will be uh, lining up someone to replace him. So uh, they are going to do the uh, six-court indoor, which we knew that you know, they've raised eleven million dollar fundraise, uh, eleven million dollar to, to fundraise that uh, to get the twenty twenty-six NCAA tennis championships back here. Uh, the women kind of didn't. You you know, they didn't live up to their seating in the tournament. They went out in the quarterfinals. The men overachieved for where they were. They went out in the quarterfinals as well, right? They're both quarterfinals, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, elsewhere, how about uh, that women's uh, college world series coming up? Georgia yeah. playing two thirty on Thursday against Oklahoma State. Now, it's not something that uh, probably a lot of our listeners watch a lot of college softball, but they probably do this time of year if Georgia's playing. The, I imagine they'll turn it on. Um, Ryan, have you watched any of the playoffs for the uh, the, the women? Yeah, I watched some of the uh, the series against Duke there, uh, or the uh, the regional. I was, I was at the game uh, on yeah, that Sunday, not yeah, as a they, reporter. I, I went to, went whatever. with family. What? When they clinched? Uh, yeah, I mean that was a great game. Yeah. It was it was a ten nine or eleven ten or something yeah. like that. I mean, it was a lot of homers. Hey, th- this Georgia team is fun to watch if you like the long ball because they, they hit a bunch of homers. I mean, they got uh, I think three girls with uh, 10, 10 or more homers. Yeah, Three or four, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Jaden Fields uh, hit a couple uh, over the weekend against Florida. It back-to-back games. Yeah, um, you know, as a program that seemed down there near the end of the year, they lost what seven, eight in a row, and then they lost seven in a row and thirteen of fifteen, and then got kind of miraculously where there was a host that was named well in advance of uh, the seedings and all. Yeah, well, so it wasn't an, it wasn't announced, but it was determined. Right, like they didn't right. put it out publicly, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they caught a break to get to get to play at home. But then again, I mean, who knows what they would have done on the road? They went to well, Florida I mean, and yeah, went to there. Yeah, handled them easily too mm-hmm. down at Florida. So, yeah, good for them. And and I was gonna say it. it I feel like uh, women's college World Series and stuff is about like the uh, NCAA basketball tournament where. People start tuning in about the time that yeah, uh, yeah. tip off on a Thursday. Yeah, right? I mean, you mentioned that. I, I got an email as we recorded this uh, from ESPN. Every minute of action from the Women's College World Series will be shown, uh, I guess, uh, 
I thought it always was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like I, guess it's a, I, guess it, I guess it says 20, for 20 years straight now they've done oh, it. Oh, yeah. So uh, Georgia, Oklahoma State, uh, I think it's 2.30 on ESPN, and then Georgia will play again either Friday or Saturday, depending on uh, if they win or lose. Well, you uh, know, I went out there a couple years ago. and uh, How were the stakes? <laughs> pretty good. Not, you know, the, the facilities were, were, were good. Um, you know, I you always see something like that on TV, and you wonder – what it's like uh, in person and it was it was pretty cool and it was a cool environment and you know that was i guess the year before or maybe uh two years before covid shut a lot of things down and it was uh it was electric it was a lot of fun out there the baseball team's season is not going to have an ncaa tournament um and there's some uh, controversy uh, <laughs> so uh, some if you guys bulldog fans there is anyway yeah, Georgia beat LSU in the first game of the SEC tournament and then uh, kind of got handled in the next two games against Arkansas and Ole Miss. Um, and then, so nine SEC teams get in, but Georgia's not one of them. LSU, the team that they beat, uh, had better numbers, I guess, with the RPI. And uh, so LSU goes, and Alabama had a good run in the tournament, and they go. Um, so, I mean, Scott Strickland, who I had a chance to talk to Sunday, or I'm sorry, Monday uh, evening, uh, it was, this was a Memorial Day a deal that the, the bracket was out by 1245. Um, I asked him, you know, I didn't write this in my story, but I asked him, I said, you know, did you frame it like where your guys bought the fact that you beat LSU, you're in? And, you know, th- they believed that they, it was done now, that they were going to get in. Now, he said, while he, while he portrayed it like that publicly um, and said that the, he thought the winner got in, um, he said behind, you know, in their locker room, he was telling them, hey, we need to keep winning. You know, uh, we're not in yet. So, um, I mean, I think it was a tough slog for them anyway. They lost so much of their quality pitching that they were counting on. I think four of the last four of the top five pitchers weren't available by the end of the season. And two of them they lost in the fall. Um, and then Jonathan Cannon, uh, who was a top 50 projected prospect by Baseball America, you know, he had mono to start the season, and then, you know, I don't know if he necessarily lived up to that ranking. He certainly has the potential to, to be, you know, th- that quality guy, but, um, you know, they didn't really have, uh, it, it didn't feel like, it seemed like every weekend it was like, okay, which freshman are they going to throw that day? And, mm-hmm. um, and that's where they were by the time they reached the SEC tournament. It was all hands on deck. Yeah. Which was kind of miraculous. They pulled out the win yeah. against LSU. Yeah, and they, and they, they had way too many walks um, yeah. and, and not enough power. Uh, but they have some young guys, you know, um, that that Strickland's happy about or, or, or sees upside in terms of being able to to pound the ball out and, and, and that kind of thing. And then so a lot of draft decisions will, will come as always. This time it's later than usual. It's in July. So we'll, we'll see right. how that plays out. I mean, um, Georgia's going to have to wait again. I mean, this would have been a third straight trip to the NCAA tournament. And they still haven't made a super regional under Scott Strickland. But, I mean... You know, they've performed in the regular season very well the last three seasons. This year, obviously, a, a tougher deal. Yeah, and they kind of got uh, – they, they were a bad luck case last year with COVID. You know, you have Hancock and – Oh, uh, yeah, certainly. And, yeah, yeah, and that, Wilcox. I mean, that was an Omaha team. That, that team yeah. should have gone to the – you know, I mean, you still got to do it, uh, you know. But, I mean, they were top eight national seed last previous two years and it right. didn't, didn't get out of the regional. Yeah. So, all right, before we get out, I want to just mention – uh, this morning, the College Football Hall of Fame released their ballot for the 2022 class. Uh, 70 players and seven coaches. Uh, two guys from Georgia. One, I will say, uh, certainly you would expect to get in. That's Champ Bailey. Uh, did not get in last year. I believe it was his first year on the ballot. Uh, and the other guy is Garrison Hurst. And I, I don't remember if he was on there uh, previously. Um, I imagine he might have been. I, I should pay more attention to that. Do you? What, what do you expect... Uh, 
You think Hurst, uh, he was a 92 unanimous first-team All-American, won the Doak Walker Award. Should have been Heisman. Yeah. At least, uh, well, you know, in those days, did they, like, have – I assume they announced, like, the top three or whatever. Was he – see, I was all six, seven years old at the time. I can't remember if he was a a, a, a top three finisher or whatever in the Heisman that year. But, I mean, he sure was a stud for Georgia. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. David Pollock, um, I think he still needs to have his kind of induction ceremony because it was it was delayed because of COVID as well. I think they're moving that also from New York to Las Vegas. They are. I heard all about it at the National Football Foundation. Oh, Where, it was be, is it the Bellagio where they're doing it? I, I don't know. I, I just know that Lauren Smith was talking about it being in Vegas. All right. Well, I mean, David Pollock's a very important bulldog. We'll have to go out there and cover that. Yeah, and you can pick up your awards at the same time while you're... Well, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, I think David Pollock in Vegas, uh, when he was a player here, that would have been fun to watch because, you know, he was... He's got uh, little ones now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No, I just mean he was very uh, very electric personality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not shy to kind of, you know, tell you... He's still not shy about telling you, what, you know, what you think and that kind of thing. No. Hey, uh, one more thing, I guess. I, I think I said that would be the last thing. A bunch of game times came out since our last thing. And I don't, even, I don't have it up in front of me, but off the top of my head, uh, what's it? South Carolina's going to be a night game. Uh, the first SEC game, and then I think... UAB is uh, 3.30, is it not? UAB 3.30. I think you're not going to see Georgia playing many noon SEC network type games. I mean... I hope... I guess they have to, um, maybe one point. Here's my one hope. Arkansas, yeah. October 2nd, needs to be a noon game. Oh, you got a concert that night? A wedding. A wedding. <laughs> so, Wait, that's not your wedding. It is my wedding. Wait, so what, you're not going to the game? I know. I just want to be able to watch some of it. Before oh. I have to uh, get ready to, uh, well, you could, you could watch. If you, you, well, you know, I got a lot of friends who are uh, Georgia alums, big Georgia fans. So. Now, uh, Georgia football fans, and then also people that cover Georgia, you really can't cover. Uh, hey, I did go to a wedding once. Uh, a Florida State, uh, Clemson was playing uh, Florida State at home, and mm-hmm. uh, I was invited to a wedding. I was covering Clemson at the time, and and then I did not cover the game that day. Uh, it was uh, the same day as the game, and that was a huge game. I mean, that was like, I think yeah. it was Bowden against Bowden type Ooh, thing. Yeah. So. yeah, it's not smart to get married in the fall if you uh, are a huge college football fan and or cover the uh, sport, but we're getting old. We got to get started. We got to get got to get move on, so we decided to go ahead and do it. All right. Now, uh, we'll be back uh, next time. Ryan will kind of break down a little bit more about the wedding planning if you need some details on that. Yeah, please. Uh, we'll bring on uh, our guest next week will be our uh, wedding organizer, Ooh. coordinator. Oh, it's fancy wedding. Got <laughs> a coordinator. Organ- All right. Uh, that's it for the show. Thanks again, Scott Keeper, for joining us, and uh, everyone have a great uh, weekend. See you all.